Hello everyone and welcome back to Astro Skeptic, the astrology podcast for skeptics. This is season two, episode 10, and we're so stoked to have you with us here today. Today is the fifth installment of our Planets en Ascent series, and we have a super exciting episode because we are going to talk all about the big Mac Daddy himself, Jupiter. But as always, friendly reminder, we uh, don't censor this shit for content and language and stuff, so listener discretion advised. Also, please leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever, and follow us on social media at Pod. There's Twitter, Instagram, there's even a fucking TikTok, and... Um, you know, go ahead and share us with your friends, your coworkers, your family, your one, you know, 13-year-old cousin that thinks she's getting really into astrology or, like, really identifies with her Sagittarius son and wants to learn more shit about stuff. Just share us with everyone. And, um, you know, anyway, Paige, what's up? I mean, 13 is kind of young, right? I mean, we swear a lot. But... For astrology? No, just for oh. us. I mean, dude, <laughs> they watch Marvel movies. Don't they swear in Marvel? I don't watch those. But Neither honestly, I. when I was 13, I was already so tainted, so. Right. Same. Anyway, so listener discretion advised. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, so, you know, okay, fine, maybe not your 13-year-old cousin, but your 15-year-old cousin certainly yeah, watches Park. so you can yeah. share. Yeah. Well, I did a shit ton of research for this episode, and I am not being dramatic, so Jupiter is a beast. Uh, there's so much we're going to tell you, so much that there is to know. I'm kind of excited. Um, I think we should probably just get right into it because, like I said, there's a lot. But I will say that all of my research has really given me a new appreciation and profound respect for Jupiter. Not like I didn't have it before, but I just didn't think about it as much because, you know, you think about your own kind of heavy chart rulers, right? So I, I kind of knew a lot more about Mercury and Saturn, because they fucks with me. But, I mean, Jupiter fucks with me, too. But, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, y'all are in for it. Okay, Jupiter, the gas giant, the god of gods, big daddy, granddaddy, the one and only, Riva. Start us up with some mythological history, please. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I would love nothing more than to do that. So in ancient Mesopotamia, Jupiter was represented by the god Marduk. Marduk rose from obscurity to become the head of the Mesopotamian pantheon. He was considered to be the patron god of the city of Babylon and was often referred to as just Bel, which is the Akkadian word for Lord. Marduk's religious importance grew as Babylon's political influence flourished, one of the best-known ancient literary texts, often referred to as the Babylonian Epic of Creation, describes Marduk's rise to power. In it, he battles the goddess Tiamat, which is, I guess, like a deified ocean. Uh, he kills Tiamat, Tiamat and then creates the world from her body. You know, 
After this victory, the other gods select him as their leader. But another important literary text, most commonly known as the Poem of the Righteous Sufferer, describes the dual nature of Marduk. He is powerful both in good and evil and has the ability to either help or destroy humanity. The Poem of the Righteous Sufferer should be the name of my autobiography. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, ancient Egypt. As with almost all of the other planets, I struggled, despite my hard efforts, to find definitive information about Jupiter in ancient Egypt. But I may have actually found an explanation for this seeming lack of information. According to the Oxford Research Encyclopedia, and I quote, Clear attestations of the planets in ancient Egypt are largely limited to decoration programs covering the whole night sky. There are a number of passages in religious texts where planets may be mentioned, but many of them are uncertain because the names given to the planets are, for most of them, not specific enough to exclude other interpretations. There may have been a few treatises giving a more detailed religious interpretation of the planets and their behavior, but they are badly preserved and hardly understandable in the details. So, this leads me to wonder if the fire at Alexandria, which we've talked about before, has anything to do with that, where a bunch of historical texts were lost. Thanks again, Caesar. Mm -hmm. Uh, regardless, I think we're just gonna skip ancient Egypt for the rest of this series due to a lack of credible source material. I know that really bums you guys out, but anyway, Riva, take us into ancient Greece. <laughs> I'll soothe their wounds with some Greek mythology shit. <laughs> so, um, as you may have guessed... Jupiter was associated with the king of Greek gods, Mr. Zeus himself. Zeus is considered to be, of course, the just top shit supreme deity in Greek mythology and is often referred to as the father or the god of thunder and the cloud gatherer. He controlled the weather, offered signs and omens, and dispensed justice in both heaven and earth. Zeus's origin story begins when he was just a little baby. His parents were the Titans Cronus and Rhea. When Zeus was born, Cronus reigned over the heavens. He obtained this position by overthrowing and usurping power from his own father. Zeus was the youngest of six children, and when he was still merely an infant, Cronus had a sort of midlife crisis. Since he had usurped power from his father, he was afraid that now that his children were getting older that they would do the same thing to him. So, as most of us would do, he decided to eat them straight up, <laughs> swallow them whole, his children. Anyway, Rhea was obviously pretty distraught about this, but she realized there wasn't much she could do to stop her brother slash husband. Yep, there was lots of incest going on in ancient times, but anyway... Since Zeus was just a little baby, Rhea was able to sneak him away into hiding by swaddling a Zeus-sized rock 
and giving that to Cronus to swallow instead. Um, I guess he was just like rage swallowing, not even looking. Um, Rhea sent Zeus to Mount Dicte on the island of Crete <laughs> to be raised by the primeval goddess Gaia, who is also his grandmother, his only grandmother, lest we forget that his parents were siblings anyways. So when Zeus was old enough, he confronted his father and, with Gaia's help, forces him to regurgitate all of his siblings who are somehow still alive. And this then leads to the 10-year war between the gods and the titans, which the gods eventually win with the help of the Cyclopses and the Hundred-Handed Giants, cementing Zeus's rulership. Zeus... Just like his daddy marries his sister Hera and gives control of the seas and the underworld to his brothers Poseidon and Hades, respectively. Mm. Fucking weird shit. Okay, Zeus was famous for his libido and for having affairs with various other gods and mortals and resulting in him fathering numerous offspring in and out of wedlock. Some of his most notable children include Hephaestus, Ares, Athena, Apollo, Artemis, Hermes, Hercules, Perseus, Persephone, Helen, and the Nine Muses. Like his Mesopotamian predecessor, Marduk, Marduk? I don't know. Zeus had a significant duality about him. He was considered to be both a peacemaker and a punisher. He could bring an abundance of fortune or misfortune to whoever and whatever he pleased, and being a champion of justice... Zeus typically only brought severe punishment to those who committed acts of impiety or general wrongdoing. But, however, sometimes Zeus's sense of justice was fairly prejudiced and subjective, and his punishments were often for eternity. The most notorious example of this is his condemnation of Prometheus, who was sentenced to an eternity of having his liver ripped out and eaten by an eagle simply because he gave the power of fire to man. It's MBD. That's so not a big deal. Why why do that to a well, person? A god? I don't know. He he does it over the eagle eats his liver over and over and over again. He eats the liver, the liver, I don't know, reappears and then he eats it again forever. Yeah. Yeah, that seems fucking unnecessary. <laughs> but despite his shortcomings, Zeus is undoubtedly the most significant Greek deity, and even if you don't love him, you have to respect him. I don't, I don't know if I have to respect him, but I understand the message that we're trying to convey here. But, okay, Paige, now tell us about the Romans. The Roman god Jupiter was, much like Zeus, the supreme god associated with thunder, lightning, and storms. Unlike Zeus, however, Jupiter never stepped foot on planet Earth. That was beneath him. Earth gross. Anyway, instead, he reigned high and mighty from the heavens. He was considered to be a god of light, a protector during defeat, and the giver of victory. He was the supreme general, the unconquered, the triumphator. Jupiter protected Rome in times of war and helped to maintain the welfare of the people during times of peace. His iconography consisted of an eagle atop a scepter. Pretty cool. His reputation for violence caused men to fear him and his punishments. 
In Rome, any places struck by lightning were made his property and were guarded from the profane by a circular wall. Most of his other attributes in mythology were extremely similar to that which we have discussed of Zeus in Greek mythology. Now, astronomology time. Okay, like most of the planets we have discussed thus far, Jupiter has been known since the time of the ancients. It was, however, first observed in detail by Galileo Galilei. Galilei? Galilei. 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 I got it. I got it. Galileo Galilei. Galileo Galilei. It was, however... (laughs) It was, however, first observed in detail by Galileo Galilei in the 1600s. It's on January 7th. 1610 that Galileo discovered the first of Jupiter's moons. Jupiter is the fifth planet from the sun after Mars and is the first planet outside of the asteroid belt. It is by far the largest planet in our solar system. It's fucking huge, as we all know. To give you an idea of just how large Jupiter is, you would need to put all of the other planets together twice to even get close to the size of Jupiter. He's the big old gas giant, you know? 11 times wider than Earth, Jupiter's radius is about 43,441 miles long. He is 461,348,126 miles away from the sun. He has 53 confirmed moons and 26 provisional moons, which basically means that Astronomers are pretty sure these moons exist. They just need more data to confirm. In total, he has about 79 moons. Let's just reflect on that for a second. Jupiter has 79 moons. Think about that. Earth has one moon. One moon. And our moon is like a big deal to us. Imagine if we had more than one. Imagine if we had 79 moons. It probably looked pretty cool, like from our perspective. But anyway, I know I'm tripping out right now. Mm-hmm. I just can't get over it. I think it's insane. Anyway, 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 anyway. Jupiter also has some faint rings made of dust, which for comparison, Saturn's rings are made of ice, so they're a lot easier to see. Jupiter's atmosphere is made up mostly of hydrogen and helium. The stripes and swirls on Jupiter that are visible from space are cold, windy clouds of ammonia and water. The famous Great Red Spot on Jupiter is actually a centuries-old storm that is bigger than Earth, which is also insane. Oh, and and astronomers estimate that because Jupiter is, as far as we can tell, a fully gas giant it most likely does not have an earth-like surface yeah and uh due mostly to its atmosphere its lack of that surface and insane weather jupiter has a very low potential for life but scientists believe that several of jupiter's moons could either already have life or at least have the potential to sustain life Currently, astronomers are most interested in Europa, the moon with a purported vast ocean under its icy surface. Also, just to clarify, when we say that there might be life on Europa, we're not talking full-fledged bipedal aliens. We're talking more like 
some bacteria probably or small microorganisms or like maybe a fish type thing. I guess there could be some like sentient octopuses living in the oceans of Europa, but I think after the emotional devastation of finding out that Venus was not a paradise and was instead a gaseous hell, scientists like to keep their expectations low and protect their hearts. So we're going to say it's probably just some bacteria. I appreciate that. I can't imagine fish in space. That's just, it's tough to really wrap my head around right now. But I am disappointed that they haven't, like, seen bipedal aliens waving from the telescope, you know? What's the, what's the big telescope out there? Hubble. Um, the Hubble? Yeah, the hubs. Anyway, um, Jupiter had three other large moons that are currently the subject of much scientific study on Earth. These moons are Io, Ganymede, and Callisto. Io is the most volcanically active body in the solar system, actually. And Ganymede is actually the largest moon in the entire solar system, larger than the planet Mercury. And astronomers have observed very small craters on Callisto that indicate some potential surface activity, which means they're probably making the pyramids <laughs> as well. They. Yes. They're mining. They're mining Callisto. <laughs> it's space, space fish. Pretty interesting stuff, right? But you're probably wondering, how exactly do we know all of this? Believe me, I'm always asking that about science. Trust no one. But even though we definitely aren't as obsessed with Jupiter as we are with Mars, we're slowly getting there. We have sent several probes and spacecraft to Jupiter over the years. Here's a quick list of space missions involving Jupiter. In 1973, the Pioneer 10 became the first spacecraft to cross the asteroid belt and fly past Jupiter. In 1979, Voyagers 1 and 2 discovered Jupiter's faint rings. In 92, Ulysses did a flyby of Jupiter, and the planet's strong gravitational pull actually caused the craft's flight plan to alter. In 1993, arguably the best year on Earth thus far, the Galileo spacecraft drops an investigative probe into Jupiter's atmosphere. Are you saying that because you were born in 1993, or is it something related to Marky Mark? Um, I don't know what Marky Mark was up to in 93, but that was the year that the X-Files came out. And yeah, I was born that year, too, so. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. In 2000, the Cassini makes its closest approach to Jupiter, which was about 6.3 million miles, and takes a highly detailed mosaic photo of the planet. In 2003, the Galileo conducts extended observations of Jupiter and his moons. In 07, NASA's New Horizons craft takes images of Jupiter on its way to Pluto. These images show new perspectives on Jupiter's atmospheric storms, the dust rings, and volcanic Io and icy Europa. In 2011, Juno launches to examine Jupiter's chemistry, atmosphere, interior structure, and magnetosphere. Magnetosphere. In 2016, Juno arrives at Jupiter and conducts an in-depth investigation of the planet's atmosphere, deep structure, 
and magnetosphere for clues to its origin and evolution. Juno is still currently orbiting Jupiter. There are two future missions planned to study Jupiter, the Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer, aka JUICE, is a European Space Agency mission to make multiple flybys of Jupiter's satellites, Ganymede, Callisto, and Europa, and then go into orbit around Ganymede. JUICE is scheduled to be launched in 2023 on an Airane 5 from the European spaceport in Kourou, French Guiana. NASA's Europa Clipper mission is scheduled to launch sometime between 2023 and 2025 and is designed to go into an orbit around Jupiter that will allow multiple close flybys of its moon Europa. All right. Well, well, that was a lot. And I mean, just in summation, I we don't need to talk about this or really digest this, but why the fuck are we spending so much money to orbit Jupiter's one of its 79 moons when there's so much shit going on here that we could use money for like why aren't we feeding people and you know giving out vaccines and free birth control but anyway I think we all need to take a nice meditative deep breath before we jump in to the astrological associations of Jupiter Ready, okay. Jupiter in astrology. So in astrology, just like astronomy, Jupiter is big. Big deal. He is called the Great Benefic. He represents the energy of generosity and signifies how we expand and grow. To quote Father Roy, Jupiter is the Lord of Light, the Emperor, Judge, and Teacher of all that is. He makes anything possible and offers hope against the greatest adversity. He's the ultimate optimist and loves anything that generates laughter and promotes positivity. He offers opportunities to overcome problems and barriers, and above all else, he likes things big. The position of Jupiter in the natal chart shows where and how we can be generous and foster luck. Jupiter loves to share because to share is a great way to expand, and that's Jupiter's main objective and prerogative. Again, in the words of Roy, A well-placed Jupiter can help us advise and support others in liberating ways. Your natal Jupiter also indicates what experiences make you personally evolve and expand your mind. Among many other things, Jupiter rules over spiritual eye-opening experiences. If you want to know the best way to expand your mind, look to Jupiter in your chart. Jupiter rules over two zodiac signs, Sagittarius and Pisces. In modern astrology, Jupiter co-rules Pisces with Neptune. 
We discussed both of these zodiac energies last season, and if you remember, Sagittarius was all about learning, experiencing, and doing everything possible. These themes resonate with Jupiter's desire to expand and grow. Traveling, learning, and teaching are primary interests of Jupiter because these avenues always lead to growth especially that of the mind. Pisces, if you recall, is mutable water, the kind of energy that, like water, can flow from a stream to a river to an ocean. It's a psychic energy whose goal is to transcend this existence. Pisces energy, by design, breaks down the barrier between worlds, the real world, the dream world, the spiritual world. Pisces focuses on growth of the soul. As with Zeus in Greek mythology, Jupiter in astrology also rules over justice. While Libran Venusian energy rules over justice in the physical world, Jupiter rules over a larger form of justice, justice of the soul. Venus is about balance, whereas Jupiter is about morality, objective right and wrong. The position and sign of your natal Jupiter can shed a lot of light onto your moral compass, how we express generosity and tolerance, and how we develop our opinions and worldview. Again, like Zeus, Jupiter in astrology expands on everything he touches, good or bad. A healthy and robust Jupiter can indicate good luck and love, money, children, or anything else related to its natal position. A well-aspected Jupiter can manifest as someone who is constantly learning and growing in life or someone who is well-traveled and worldly. Someone with a strong Jupiter is liable to be a rather optimistic person, a person who radiates good vibes and attracts exactly what they put out into the world, positivity. An afflicted Jupiter, however, can take all of that growth and funnel it into something destructive. A metaphorical brain tumor, if you will. Unhealthy Jupiter can manifest as someone with relatively bad luck or as someone who's irrationally and destructively optimistic or someone who overconsumes anything, most notably, most dangerously drugs. Bad Jupiter energy is the kind of energy fostered by the dangerously naive. It overpromises and underdelivers, and sometimes the condition of Jupiter can't be fully determined just by looking at someone's chart. For example, someone might have a great aspects to their Jupiter, and those aspects result in great luck in life. That luck, that positivity, it can easily become toxic given the circumstances. Someone struck with a dumb luck tends to be conditioned by it. They get used to it, and eventually they depend on it. They can become lazy and self-righteous, and as a result, they never learn. They never expand. And if Jupiter isn't expanding, he isn't happy, and he isn't healthy. Contrastingly, someone with a not-so-well-aspected Jupiter might suffer from bad luck, resulting in pain, suffering, and despair. Perseverance, however, can turn this bad luck into numerous opportunities for growth, and in the end, Jupiter thrives. Like we've said before, your natal chart shows you the cards you're dealt. 
The condition of Jupiter or any other planet in your chart is not necessarily static. You can make a difference. The glyph for Jupiter looks like four. That's the best way I can describe it to you. I, we will put a picture of it in the show notes. Um, Jupiter spends one year in each sign, so you probably have the same Jupiter sign as other people born in the same year as you. But, as always, the house placement of Jupiter depends on the exact time you were born, so that will be very specific to you. The essential dignities of Jupiter are Jupiter is exalted in Cancer. It's in its domicile in Sagittarius and Pisces. It's in fall in Capricorn, and it's in detriment in Gemini and Virgo. So it's exalted in Cancer because Cancer is kind of like that motherly energy. Um, It loves to give, and it loves to nurture, and it loves to help things grow, watch things grow, and Jupiter loves that. It's obviously domicile in Sagittarius and Pisces for reasons we mentioned before. It's in fall in Capricorn mostly because Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, which is all about restriction. It's very curmudgeonly, um, never does more than absolutely necessary, never grows unless absolutely necessary. <laughs> so he's not that happy there. And I thought it was kind of shocking when I first ever learned that Jupiter was in detriment in Gemini and Virgo. But after thinking about it, doing some research, Gemini and Virgo are very, like, detail-oriented. And it's so hard to just keep, you know, expand, 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 move on, move on, if you get caught up in every single little thing, every single little experience. So it's, it's just really hard for massive, unrestricted growth and expansion in those signs. So I guess I get it. Anyway. I hope that gives you all a good starting point of what Jupiter signifies in astrology. To help you understand how you might analyze your own Jupiter placement, we're going to talk about our own personal experiences with Jupiter. Are you ready? Oh, God, I guess. Yes, I am. Have you heard that song? (laughs) You mean uh, fucking Jack Harper or whatever? Jack yeah, Harlow? Jack Harper. I hate it when he says that, when he goes, yes, I am. Because he says it I so like weird. Song. He says I it like so weird. He's like, yes, I am. Like, I don't care. I'm Chill. It. I mean, I like the song, too. I just don't like that part. I don't like it when he says, yes, I am. <laughs> Should I say it again? Just kidding. Yeah, I think you should one more yes, time. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, yes, I should. Okay. Okay, so my Jupiter is in Cancer, which means I am exalted. <laughs> Let me tell you, okay, Riva, you have Jupiter in Cancer, zero degrees in the tenth house. Okay. Word. Um, I bet you didn't know that Jupiter was exalted in Cancer, did you? I did because you've told me that before. <laughs> oh, good. look at you. Yeah. So, like I said, Jupiter talks all about how you grow, how you learn. And it can have a lot to do, as I just said, with, like, your moral compass, kind of like the view or, like, the, the manner in which 
you develop your opinions in life, your, like, you know, sense of right and wrong. But mostly it's, like, the avenue in which you grow the most. So life experiences are going to make you grow regardless of whether they're Cancerian or not. But the Cancerian life lessons are going to make you grow exponentially, hardcore. It's what's really going to, like, change you quick and fast, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, but, like, for example, what? So Jupiter, well, first, I guess, talking about the way that you'll change and the way that you grow and expand when we talk about the planet in the house and we talk about the sign of the planet the house position is what area in life is gonna have the most it's gonna give you the most growth right that's the area in life the sign of the planet is like the flavor that you're going to grow in that area in life if that makes sense like the, the way so, but I mean, Jupiter and Cancer also kind of, it can be indicative of like just natural qualities that you have, right? Because it's all about good luck, right? So you're lucky in this area in life. These parts of your personality, they come through, they shine, they come easy to you. Um, and I think that that's pretty true. I do think, so I always, when I think of Cancer, I always think of like mom energy, right? Like the... yeah like the ultimate mom, like the best mom. Like if when you're a little kid and you can sit there and dream of like what what your mom, like a perfect mom would be or what kind of mom you want to be, that's cancer. So cancer is like ultimate nurture, ultimate protection. It can be pretty self-sacrificing. Um, it's ultimately like it wants to create like a safe space for everybody. It wants everybody to be yeah. happy and healthy yeah. and not be scared and not feel bad in any way they want people to feel accepted right you know how like moms like you always like a good mom like loves their kids no matter what and yeah they don't ever want their kids to feel bad about themselves for who they are etc etc that's very cancerian and i feel like you're you're like that a lot and i feel like your moral compass is like in your opinions in your political views like those that encompasses that i feel like most of your political views are like fueled by your desire to just let everyone be happy and feel safe and accepted what do you think yeah 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 100 yes i am (laughs) yes i am (laughs) so stupid um and i feel like compassion is a big thing for you i feel like giving compassion is big for you it's something that you do and you do big you're always like helping your friends like move and just do, you know, normal day-to-day stuff that, like, not everybody has, like, a friend group like that where people are just giving and receiving constantly. Like, you know, it yeah. reminds me of, like, the show Friends where, like, everybody's, it's like a family, right? Um, I never watched that show, but I understand. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I meant when I say, like, you love to help others and in return you receive a lot of help. Yeah. And I also think yeah, that yeah. that helps you grow. I think that when people are compassionate to you, it's a very profound thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. It blows my mind. <laughs> right. Um, I think so Cancerian, Jupiter, like you're naturally, you're going to have like a, a pretty decent emotional intelligence. It might not have been something you were born with. I mean, most, not every, 
it's rare to be born with an, any kind of emotional intelligence, but the experiences you went through when you were young and, you know, kind of like a young adult, they really transformed you and you kind of like spin that into, you understand that you don't know what kind of day somebody's having, right? So you're very compassionate in general to people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like, like, even just like having a conversation with you because, you know, my Mercury's in Cancer, so I, I have an emotional intelligence as well. And a lot of people don't, which is really frustrating. Like, a lot of people are not emotionally smart. They don't understand other people's emotions, understand that they're seeing something that is indicative of someone having a certain emotion. Like, people just aren't intuitive emotionally. Right. Um, and it's frustrating for me, I feel like I am emotionally intuitive, and so it's just really frustrating to try to talk about emotions with people who are just, they don't get it, but I feel like you get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I would say so, and also I identify with that because trying to date people that... Yes, I am. <laughs> trying, trying to date people that aren't emotionally intelligent is so fucking hard. Like, I feel like I don't really have many friends that I would say, like, aren't emotionally intelligent, if that makes sense. I feel like the people that, like, I really, um, like, get a little bit vulnerable with and, like, let into my life when not wearing rose-colored glasses, um, everyone seems to have a certain level of, of uh, emo IQ, but, like, people that I have entered into relationships with both present or not present but like near and far um (laughs) have have not had it and it's just so like trying to relate to them you know and like rationalize and just like communicate is so so hard anyway so yeah i get that well i mean jupiter is what you put out it's also what you attract it's also where you get luck so the fact that you have a friend group who seems to consist of a lot of emotionally intelligent people tracked with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, you know, some of the, one of the negative downsides of having Jupiter and Cancer is that, I mean, you end up being like people's mom in, in many ways and you end up being, and it's not always necessarily the best thing for you, you know what I mean? And it's yeah, not, Yeah. I mean, friends and romantic relationships sometimes, I mean, you always, I think you always want to see the best in people and I think, that is a good thing in general but sometimes you know with certain people it can just hurt you at the end and you might like idealize people oh yeah yeah (laughs) say say less (laughs) yeah so cancer also cancer energy is very like just naturally intuitive um i feel it a lot with my mercury in cancer and i feel like you have a pretty decent intuition too I feel like you kind of know. You might not always, at least in the past, I'm sure you haven't always listened to it, but I feel like you feel it. You feel the vibes. Oh, for sure. I will say that's a thing that has, especially since I've moved back, and I I don't know what it was, I mean, candidly, specific about, like, my last relationship that I was in for so long, but I feel like my intuition was firing on all cylinders all the time like dude i fucking predicted covid in a weird way but we'll, we can talk about that later <laughs> as it like related yeah. to my own life i predicted it oh and like i i don't know just so many little examples of like i i truly 
felt sometimes that I predicted the future, like that I knew what was going to happen and it came fucking true. Yeah. But since like in the last year and a half, I've really felt disconnected to that or I guess I haven't really spent time sitting with that and like really thinking about it. I don't know. Maybe just there's too much other shit going on. So in the past, I've had a super powerful intuition, but recently I have felt, I don't know, that it's just like I haven't even thought about the future. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure part of that's. I think I've been trying to learn more about intuition and like you know, kind of tuning into it more, learning how to like consciously separate intuition from just like me having OCD and being like really just paranoid about things. I feel like when I feel something intuitively in the moment, I'm like, oh yeah, this is like spiritual. Oh, for sure. But yeah. sometimes when I'm like, like, you know, I'll I'll get really stressed out all of a sudden and it will seem like nothing. And I'm like, oh, my God, does that mean somebody's dead? And then I'm like, no, just oh, shut no. up. That's not what I know. Means. But see, that's <laughs> like I've been. So my point is that I've been wanting to look into that a lot more lately. And I'm wondering if, you know, when you were in your last relationship, it was like a pretty long period of time. It was like seven years. And I think that. Six six years yeah maybe i don't even know if this is how intuition worked but maybe your intuition was like so it was just working constantly trying to get your attention that like now it's just taking a break it's gotta recharge i i mean i have definitely thought of that or like all of my senses were so heightened at that time because of the nature of the relationship and like i was pretty isolated in it and my body and my mind was just like kind of in like fight or flight mode like everything was just like just fucking high frequency I felt like and so I don't know yeah I've really I haven't really been able to figure out what's happened and it doesn't really bother me like I'm I'm good with just coasting too I don't need to be able to fucking predict when the next plague is gonna be or whatever hopefully there's not another one well while we live Lucky for you, I haven't had to think about it too much, so I'm not I'm not sensing anything coming. Do you ever think you manifested it? I, well, that's the thing. No, not COVID. Okay, I will say, okay, let me just decipher, not decipher, dis- distinguish what happened. I feel like I've told you this before, Paige. But yeah, like, a little bit. I I mean, long story short, like it's it's not even that complicated because anyone with good intuition will tell you like, I don't know, man, it's just fucking weird. I just knew that this was going to happen. So like I just knew for probably at least a year before I started to get a very strong sense. And like the best way that I can describe it is that like a sickness was going to bring me home. I could I I tried to feel like oh my God, is it a parent? Like I thought in my mind, I was like, is my dad going to be sick? Like, what is this illness? What is this fucking, like what sickness is going to make me move home? What is going, like I couldn't, I didn't know. I couldn't put my finger on what sort of disease or whatever, whatever misfortune was going to happen. But I just knew that like something like that was going to happen and it was going to be the reason that I moved home. And, you know, there were lots of other reasons too. And You know, some people might hear that and think like, oh my God, who fucking cares? That could have literally been everything. It could have been a coincidence, you know? It's not that fucking profound. But when it is coupled with all of the other things in my life that I just knew were going to happen, you know, without like 
manifesting it or making any major decisions or moves that would make that happen. It just like, especially over the last six years, I don't know, it all just compounded. And I was like, I'm a fucking superhuman. Whatever, guys, <laughs> y'all can't touch me. <laughs> um, so I that's did. what I mean that like I predicted COVID. I didn't, but I just fucking, you know, it was just weird. I mean, I think you felt it coming. I think that, I think a lot of people can discount a lot of things. I mean, obviously, you know, this podcast, we, I mean, our whole focus is kind of trying to blend those two worlds of like, that's bullshit versus like, oh my God, that's totally true. And I feel like a lot of things when it comes to like, oh, that was just a coincidence. I feel like something is only a coincidence if you want it to be i feel like you can find meaning in anything and when something is a quote-unquote coincidence there's a lot of meaning you can find there so you make a coincidence or not you decide you're in charge yeah yeah okay so yeah that was it that's all i mean (laughs) (laughs) all right okay let's talk about how you have jupiter in the 10th house so i know we haven't talked about houses we'll talk about them eventually but 10th house is real easy. It's a real easy one. It's all about the your career and how basically like the world at large views you, like your reputation, I guess. Um and so when you have Jupiter in the 10th, it kind of means like that you're going to have like luck in your career. Like you're going to be you're going to find your talent, you're going to find your niche. It might not be away and it might not be right away, but once you do, you slide right in. It's just like a glove and you're good at it and you, you excel and you grow and the career that you have, the experiences you have throughout your career, how you, when you grow in your career, those are the kind of things that are going to give the most growth to your soul and your spirit mm, and your life in general. Fuck, Would you agree? Bro. Fuck yeah. Fuck. I mean, I've said I've said this before, but becoming an esthetician, it's not super dramatic when I say that it literally saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's your I mean, ultimately, like, you know, 10th house career, you could also say life purpose, right? Like what you were meant to do. Accomplish be in this life. And I think that that is what you're meant to do. I mean, you went to school, you went to college, you were kind of trying to find your place, trying to figure out what you wanted. And I mean, did you, you didn't necessarily go out of your way. I did you to like after when you moved to Portland and you were just like, well, I guess I want to be an esthetician. Did it kind of just happen? Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I was working a bullshit desk job that I absolutely hated and I was super fucking depressed and like my circumstances out there for lots of reasons were not ideal. And I just like, you know, I kind of made a pros and cons list of like, I want flexible hours and I want to work less and like, I want to work with people and I, and like, skincare I was getting really into like health and wellness and I had really bad skin and I had just had experiences with estheticians in the past trying to get my skin to be better and I don't know I just thought like fuck it I'm gonna become an esthetician and so I did (laughs) 
Well, I think that that's kind of, I mean, you could say that, that you were lucky in that, that it like, you know, all, everything kind of came together and the yeah, world shined yeah. the light and was like, this is what you need to do. You yeah, took that leap and it panned out. You took that risk and you held high reward, jackpot. Yeah, yeah, I, I got super lucky. I got a pretty good job right away and yeah, I mean, but like, I, like, that's the thing and a lot of estheticians will say this exact same thing. Like, we give a lot to the job, but we, it sounds so cl- fucking cliche, but we also get a lot back. And especially when I was isolated out in Portland, like, the relationships that I had with the clients were, I, I mean, it was everything to me. Like, that was, that was my socialization. That was my connection. That was my, that was my nurturing, was helping those people, you know? Like, that's, yeah. it was a very symbiotic relationship, so... Yeah. And that can be very cancerian in, in terms of just like, you know, cancer is like nurturing mom. It's at the end of the day, it, it wants to connect with people, right? It wants to have that kind of connection, that intimate personal connection. Yeah. And yeah. Every, I mean, that's 100% of what you do. I mean, you get very intimate with these people <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and I mean, I think you're really good at it. People feel just gen- generally like comfortable with you that's another cancerian thing like people just open up to you they trust you and you know they a lot of people they don't hesitate you know what i mean yeah. and you become yeah. it's fucking weird honestly it is a little it's not weird but it's like that that is a thing that is a thing for sure what Do does you have... it mean what is my midheaven so okay so basically um your midheaven is the the hundred like the very tippy top point of your chart, and it's typically always going to line up somewhere in your tenth house, depending on how big your houses are. You know, just from Placidus house system or some of the other non-equal house systems. Sometimes it's in your ninth house. Sometimes it's I think maybe sometimes it can be in your eleventh house, but for most of the time it's in your tenth house. Your midheaven is just really aligned with your career, right? So it's, I would say that a lot of people like to say your 10th house is your career. And then, you know, your midheaven is like your life's purpose. Mm. Most of the time, your midheaven is in your 10th house. Yours is, okay. I think. Pretty sure. <laughs> Makes it's just a point in the chart. There's a midheaven... And I can't remember what they call the opposite of it, but it's like the opposite is your most, the most bottom point of your chart. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. will say like the most bottom point of your chart is kind of like where you're coming from. And then the top is like where you're going. Okay. Got it. Anything else you want to say about your, your, your juke? No, no, my jupe seems, uh, I guess, pretty on point. I guess uh, I am just, like I said, so exalted all the time. <laughs> you do. You got that. You got, um, yeah, you have your moon and your Jupiter exalted. Hey, that's yeah, better than I me. Have, I only have my moon exalted. I have some I have some good placements, I feel like, in my chart. I have a little bit of unfortunate ones, but overall, <laughs> it seems like it could be worse. It's not like I'm a Scorpio moon or something. <laughs> okay. Damn. Paige, your Jupiter is in Labra, right? You live? Yep. Yes. What's yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> so my Jupiter is in Libra. Libra. So if you guys remember, Libra is all about balance, harmony, beauty, art, just general, just loveliness. 
And um, it's also, it can be very social sign, you know, Libra energy in general can be like gossipy, you know, kind of like the host of the party, just, you know, social butterfly, the energy. Gregarious. Sure. Um, It's also the sign of the other. Um, It rules the seventh house, which is this sign or the house of long-term relationships, partnerships, um, basically like marriage and people that you want to be with forever. Um, So it has a lot to do with other people, right? And one-on-one interactions and forging relationships, blah, 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 right? So Jupiter is, as we talk, how you grow, how you expand, like the kind of emphasis for your morals, blah, 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 your outlook on life. So I will say... For me, my moral compass is very much, like, all about, like, balance. Like, balance to me is, like, godliness to me. (laughs) I, my outlook on life is, like, I think that nature is perfect, right? Nature without man is perfect. It works. It coexists. Like, there's a whole system, an ecosystem. Everything, you know, has a purpose for everything else. Everything's recycled. I think that humanity should basically follow the example of nature if we want to be the most successful because nature Mm -hmm. without us is successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, you see in nature, like, everything's balanced, right? Life is created. Death occurs. And it's all, in the end it all breaks even. And that's very, that's a very Libran thing um, is to have that balance in general. So that's having that as kind of the basis for all of my worldview, opinions, political beliefs, blah, 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 tracks with Libran energy. Yeah. Um, I think it also like the experiences that make me grow the most, that force me to grow the most are experiences that I have that I share, whether or not I want to admit it, that I share with other people. And then in, we'll talk about my house placement, but, and then I kind of reflect on those. And so I think that when I think back on my, you know, a lot of the profound things I've learned, things that have forced me to kind of grow my mind, a lot of it revolves around just like having these one-on-one relationships or interactions with people, a super far back example uh that i can think of right now is that when i was about seven years old my dad and i moved to the country for lack of a better term so i parents were divorced i spent half the time with my mom half the time with my dad we were in lansing michigan represent just kidding i hate lansing anyway (laughs) um my mom lived in the city my dad lived in the city also but we moved to the country and we moved to the country because we went to this karate dojo. I've had a weird life, okay? We went to this karate dojo, and one of the dudes my dad had classes with was a hippie. Like, I'm not even kidding. He was a straight-up hippie. He lived in the country, and he had, like, a second kind of, like, apartment upstairs. He had kind of converted the second floor of his house into, like, another kind of, like, apartment or whatever. So my dad, he, like, put up a, you know, like a, an ad for somebody to rent it and my dad just decided to do that 
and it was honestly it was a pretty cool experience um we lived in this house in the country um this hippie who we lived with he had two kids that were one was older than me one was younger than me um the one that was younger than me spent a lot of time with her mom but i saw her every now and then but her older brother forest shout out forest if you are listening to this um that would be a crazy coincidence <laughs> but um <laughs> he was like a a child genius like he had kind of like a lot of behavioral problems from what i can remember he just struggled to fit in at school he kind of i think he got like expelled from a few schools but he was like building his own computers at like age 13 and like i don't know if he ever graduated high school i think he ended up getting like a ged he was like homeschooled because he was just difficult to teach in a public school and he ended up like getting a full ride to U of M and like working on at some point we reconnected and he was like working on some crazy like microscopic like lens light bending thing that he was telling me all about anyway he's basically a genius but when we were young I learned a lot from him because he was he was just so weird and we would just run around i mean we lived on 10 acres of land and our dads would just like be like okay go play and we would just run around and like catch snakes and like wade through like leech infested waters and like just do all this crazy stuff and i feel like terrifying but yeah i feel like the the one-on-one relationship that i had with him was just very profound to me because it was like he was just such a unique person and it really just changed my outlook on just people and friends and just everything in general um and that's like the one of the first real examples i can i can think of obviously the relationship i have with my cousin madonna has been throughout my life has changed has has resulted in some real personal growth and just honestly it's also you know a form of luck i mean i think the relationship i have with my cousin madonna saved both of our lives or at least our mental health in many cases um, yeah. I also think that, uh, you know, as I got older, like my first ever love, um, again, shout out Doug, if you're listening that, I mean, I know everybody has something like that, but I feel like we had, like, it wasn't, it wasn't like, I know it's, it's, it's hard to say, you know, I was like 14, 15, but it was even looking back on it now as a full grown adult, like it was a very real experience and it was, it profoundly changed everything about me. I mean, I was a totally different I mean obviously I was basically a kid but I was so different before like it just it taught me so much about just love and loss and just everything like you know it was like an existential experience and basically I think the most growth I've had is from other is from relationships and experiences I've had one-on-one with other people which is very Libran I'll also use I think you an example I think that the relationship that we we developed and forged in France, A, it was lucky for me because I feel like it was the only way I could sur- have survived that. Um, and B, I mean, it you know, my whole experience in France w- was profound and it changed me in so many ways and you were like a huge part of that. Aww. And then, I mean, now with the podcast, I mean, it's the same thing. Aww, but yeah, I mean, I can I can completely understand how that works for sure. And like... Yeah, in France. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what either of us would have done. <laughs> I, I don't even. I honestly like. I can't believe I went into it knowing 
just basically hoping I made a connection with somebody because I didn't have that connection with the other people in my class. Like I was kind of friendly with some of them, but I had just, our life experiences were just so different. I just, I'm surprised looking back now that I was just like, well, fuck. <laughs> fuck I'm surprised you went like looking back now, like on, I'm surprised that you were like, yeah, fuck it. We'll see what happens. You know, like, that. I mean, I'm definitely not a go with the flow type of person. No, and that I yeah. think, I think I, um, I, I forced myself to do it. I kind of, you know, I was my own mother and I threw myself kicking and screaming into the deep end of the pool and was just like, yeah. well, you better learn how to swim. I feel like yeah. I knew I needed something. Um, and I, it was, I mean, it was hard. It was an internal battle as most things are with Yeah. Me. <laughs> Especially leaving Alex like that. I mean, you guys had just, I mean, not just, I will say like, like six months dating yeah i will say it was a blessing that the whole trip was already basically it was already predetermined i had already paid for it i had already booked it it was already going to happen before i even met him so there was there was nothing there was no way i could have changed that yeah yeah but yeah that so was you difficult. really did have to go kicking and screaming yeah <laughs> libra also can indicate like it can be very creative um especially like artistically and so i guess experiences where i have a lot of growth can also come from just me being creative i mean this podcast is a huge example of that it's like one of the first things i've created and put out in the world and i think it's changed me a lot i mean it's changing me right now you know as as i continue to do it and just any kind of creation any kind of thing that i do it's it's very profound to me um yeah yeah I think when it comes to luck and Libra, obviously, I've, as I've said before, I'm pretty lucky in love. I have, I don't know if that's just luck or if it's like because I just have a knack for just knowing, like, yep, this is going to work, like right off the bat, or like, nope, this isn't going to work. I don't know. But either way, like I said, I have never really had any crazy toxic relationships. Um, every relation, every major relationship I've ever had has been meaningful. I have no regrets um stuff like that so talking about the placement for me jupiter in the first house okay first house is all about self it's all about you or in this case me like my personality like who i am um me first you know and uh-huh. it having jupiter in your first house can kind of it gives you like um a pretty strong self belief like you have a lot of like you believe in yourself pretty well and pretty easily and i feel like that like sometimes you know i'll get insecure or whatever but at the end of the day like if i have to do something i'm just like yeah okay i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna be able to yeah. do it like it's whatever like yeah. i'm not i think if there was an apocalyptic situation i could survive and i would have I would very much believe that, like, yep, I got this. And I feel like that in most situations. I might, like, at first be like, or, you know, like, have an emotional reaction, but then I get to a point where I'm like, I got this. Like, hell yeah. Um, Yeah, I can see that. You seem pretty self-assured most of the time. Yeah, which is, it's kind of weird because, like, yeah, like, I'm also very critical of myself. It's like a weird duality. I mean, I've got a lot of obviously pretty strong Gemini going out of my chart, which is the ultimate duality energy. But I do feel like I'm very self-confident. I believe in myself very much, but I also feel like just, you know, I'm my own worst critic and just like I suck and I'm dumb. But like then I'm like, no, I'm not. 
It's like a yeah, whole, yeah. it's a whole thing. Um, yeah. Jupiter, I mean, I feel like, and this is something, you know, because I did a little research on this, because it's, especially for me, it's hard for me to be like objective, right? So I did a little research, you know, advancedastrology.com is a good, really good source. Can't, can't recommend them enough. Um, and one thing I would find in my research is that like, having Jupiter in the first house helps you, it, it kind of helps, it makes you an optimistic person, which I am initially like, Meh. like, I don't know if I'm an optimistic person. I think that I have a lot of pessimism and I think it comes from mostly just my life experiences. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, I, I guess I am pretty optimistic. Like I always kind of have this, when it, when it comes down to it, I might have a moment, I might have a meltdown, I might have a breakdown, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I just am very confident that like life is worth living and like there is meaning in life. You know what I mean? And like when people, other people especially come to me with hardships, um, like my cousin Madonna, <laughs> I always am just like, dude, you can get out of this. Like you can do this. You just got to do this, this and this. And like you're golden, dude. Like you have the power, like you're strong, like anything is possible. And I think that I am like a closet optimist in many ways. Another thing is kind of closet for sure. <laughs> closet. I know it's weird. It's hard for me to admit. I think because, like I said, I've 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 experienced so many things, and also I mean I feel like it's almost like scary to be optimistic because I feel like you know, yeah, no, you I'd set expectations so low. Yeah, like you if you if you hope that things are going to be good and then they're bad, like you're devastated. Um, but I think you know for me, I guess maybe when you talk about the first house, like. I'm kind of optimistic about myself. And I, I guess that kind of goes into that whole self-belief where it's like, yeah, I, I'm optimistic that like I will succeed in life. I will achieve what I want or I'll, you know, I'll have a profound effect. Like I'm optimistic about, about me, not yeah. necessarily everything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 that makes sense. Experiences that are going to make me grow in terms of the first house position is the things that have a very personal effect on me, which I feel like is for most people. But I feel like some people, they can go through a lot. And at the end of the day, like, unless they sit there and reflect on it super hardcore, it's not going to change them unless they let it. Whereas like me, I'm like naturally, like I go through something, even something small and dumb. Like I have a stressful experience at Jimmy John's. I I'll sit in my car and I'll like reflect uh, on that gonna experience. It's going to be tropical smoothie cafe. Your <laughs> your fast Listen. food. <laughs> Listen, man. I will say that the trop smooth by me has new owners and They're I hadn't gone better. there. I I hadn't gone there in a year. I'm not even kidding. I went there recently and I ordered a smoothie. First in the drive-through and dude, it came out so fast. And I was like, what is happening? And then um, I guess they like changed the inside. I don't know. I think that they're on the mend. Um, but yeah, that I did. I reflected on that <laughs> situation. And uh, I learned a lot from it. And you're growing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is, this might come off as conceited, but I think that the first house placement is almost like, so Jupiter brings luck, right? And I feel like I'm, I'm just lucky in, like, the cards that I was dealt, like, in many ways, like, the, 
like who I am as a person. Like obviously everybody has faults. I have faults, things I have to work on. But when it comes to like I'm pretty like stable. I, you know, have always like given myself checks and balances. I've always made sure oh self I've always made sure that I'm self sufficient. And my first house placement is huge when it comes to my outlook on life and when it comes to like my political views, moral beliefs, etc. Right. So I want balance and everything. And I balance in the individual. I think people should seek to be balanced, well rounded individuals. But I also think that like being self reliant is like key for me. It's like being able to take care of myself and do what I want and how I want. Like I believe that that is like the ultimate goal. Right. Then, and I, Basically, I just really, and I also really just like Henry Thoreau. <laughs> but you feel me what I'm saying. Like, I am I feel you. like I the individualist. I think that everybody should be given the opportunity to be an individualist, to, to have the opportunity and experiences to succeed on their own. And that's, I, I hold that very dear to me. And I think that's yeah. one of the main ways that my first house, um, Jupiter, comes out. Yeah, self-reliance. Do you have anything to add about my Jupiter? Um, I think that all, I mean, it all makes sense. Like, self-indulgence can be an issue here. <laughs> okay, I do, I eat a lot of pie. And sometimes, oh. That's your Taurus moon. <laughs> I know, but it's all, I don't know. I feel like self-indulgence is, I don't know, do I self-indulge? What does that mean? I see. Honestly, I don't think so. I think. I guess I don't know what I mean, self-indulgence I, means. Well, self-indulgence it can mean like both how you feel about yourself and how you how you like kind of revere yourself over others, or it can yeah, it can be about eating you know fucking the best cherry pie in the world every day. But like, self-indulgent is like showering yourself with okay okay and like yeah because when i think of self-indulgence i think of like i'm just letting myself eat a bunch of ice cream which i do sometimes but i do think that's more of my taurus moon it's like (laughs) comfort but i get what you're saying um you know self-confidence right taken too far can be like conceited asshole and i will say that sometimes throughout my life I will I will tiptoe the line between like me being confident and like proud of myself and like me thinking I'm just better and smarter than everyone else. So I get yeah. that. Well, and and I don't think self-indulgence is inherently a bad thing. I just think it's about the balance of it. Like Yeah, baby. Like like self is self-care self-indulgent, you know? Like I'm going to go get a massage tomorrow. Is that fucking self-indulgent? No. Like to some people you know, by some standards, they would see that as like, oh my fucking God, didn't you just get a massage last week or whatever? Which, no, I didn't. But, you know, I think it's just a fine line. And it's a matter of perspective and it's a matter of what motivates the quote unquote indulgence. So I don't think you're like problematically self-indulgent. No. Okay. Well, good. (laughs) Extremely honest. Yeah, for sure. Ethics, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Jupiter in the first can be very, like, blunt, bluntly honest. Um, yeah, I think, I think all of this stuff makes, 
I think this all, I mean, it all tracks if you ask me. Yeah, for sure. So is there anything else you have left to say in, en général? En général, de Jupiter? Uh, oui. uh, um, I mean, no, like, I think the concept of Jupiter it, within one's chart and its significations, that will make sense to me. I think both of our placements are pretty goddamn spot on. Agreed. One last thing that I read from advancedastrology.com advanced-astrology.com it's an unshakable faith that life is worth living and hardships are stepping stones towards a more evolved and fulfilled life and jupiter being in my first house i really felt that because you know i cry i moan kicking and screaming but at the end of the day like i fundamentally believe that to my core so big daddy jupe uh, mad respect. Um, yes, Demands respect. <laughs> Demands respect. Yes, he does. Uh, so what are, we, what are we doing next week? Saturn? Yep, so Saturn is next week. Um, daddy, a- daddy Saturn. Another daddy. Episode, I will say yeah, Saturn's whatever. more like grandpa. <laughs> well, Saturn is like father time. Um, but okay. he's, a, yeah, he's a different vibe. Saturn is, uh, I mean, you gotta respect him, but um, he, he can be a curmudgeonly asshole. But you should vibe, right? Yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> oh, I'll vibe. I know. I'm, I know how this conversation oh, goes. Oh, I'm gonna vibe hardcore. All right, sweet. Well, so join us. Join, join us. us guys. Join us. Return. Okay. See ya when you see ya. Yes, I am. Alright, that's it. Wow, we did it. We did it. God. Just in.